Hello, hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Today we have, I'm just going to say it, a badass guest. I really don't know if I have another term to better summarize her. Maybe I'll come up with one, but that's the one that comes to mind right now. And I met her first at Courtney Dehoff's Fancy Lady Cowgirl event. She was another speaker. And as she was up on stage, I was like, I absolutely need to get this woman on the show. Her name is Amber, and she is the CEO behind the Amber L brand, where she teaches families through online social channels, in-person trainings, and as a keynote speaker on how to empower themselves to live more self-reliant lifestyles. She is a mother to three adventurous children and leads their home education journey through living and rich experiences. Y'all, she's a superwoman. She does all the things. And she also serves as the director of family preparedness for Fieldcraft Survival, a Utah-based and veteran-owned survival company. So without further ado, let's dive on in. Hello there, beautiful friend. I'm your host, Kaya, a cattle rancher turned accidental life coach after embarking on my own health journey, losing over 100 pounds, but most importantly, rebuilding my relationship with myself. Now I am more on fire than ever to empower others to create a healthy life that they love from the inside out by sharing the tools, tips, and strategies that I've learned and continue to learn along the way. Mindset, health, body image, self-love, entrepreneurship, and more. We're here to chat about climbing the mountains of life all while finding joy in the journey. Welcome to the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Now let's get climbing. Hello, Amber, and welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Thank you for being here. Oh my goodness. Um, As I mentioned in the intro, I was quite honestly blown away by you at Courtney's event. You know, Courtney told me that she was bringing in this really cool girl to talk about self-defense and preparedness. And I don't know what I was envisioning, but when I met you before the event started, I was like, that's not what I had in my mind. I don't know what I had in my mind, but it wasn't um, you. And I know people can't see you right now because this is a podcast interview, but man, your presentation just really blew me away. But before we jump into it too much, I'd love for us to take a step back first. Um, You know, you talk about how you work in the field of self-reliance and preparedness. I'm curious, has this always been a passion for you or how did you kind of get into this line of work that you're doing now? Yeah, I guess I never... Well, first of all, thank you so much. That was probably the most nervous I ever was to speak, um, which I love. It didn't, I love it didn't show. <laughs> I, I I battled with myself in my hotel room, which I was coming off of a hunt. I had been in mm. Wyoming on a hunt with Fieldcraft. And so it was probably just a lot of fatigue mixed with that. Sure. But I was. it was one of those like pacing around in circles in your hotel room, like you're not capable of it, you know, that in that headspace. So mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm glad the message came through because I was a little nervous. But um, I I think that it's always been a passion of mine just because it was always part of who I was. It's just part of the scaffolding of my life. Um, But I didn't really realize how much that contrasted to what the quote unquote average life looked like until I started to get out into the world. And I think my first experiences with that were getting to college, like leaving rural Louisiana and going into a more urban setting and and watching how young adults lived and how unprepared they were just being in a sorority and mm-hmm. being with friends and realizing 
how vulnerable so many people allowed themselves to be. But COVID really put that on a pedestal. And when everybody felt the fear and felt the angst. And so that's when I kind of just thought to myself, wow, what a opportune moment in the world right now to step forward and show people that they can live above the fear. And it doesn't have to be the paranoid bunker style image of a prepared person that they've envisioned that it can just look relatable and it can look like me, you know? Mm, I love that. You talked about your childhood in rural Louisiana. So you said that this is kind of like the scaffolding of who you've always been. What did what did that child life look like in rural Louisiana that made all of this kind of come naturally to you that maybe most people didn't experience in their childhood? I think you can say too, growing up on a ranch, there's big animals, there's big machines. When you live rural, you have situational awareness is just part of your life as a child. Sure. And I guess we're all built differently. And so I think that I just tuned into it a lot more and I wanted to understand the foundational reason behind why my parents would warn us to do certain things a certain way. And being a very reflective person, I would I would take the qualities that I loved and admired about my parents. You know, like how can my dad how how can he know when one slight thing is wrong with our vehicles? Because he wakes up every morning and is walks around the vehicles before he goes on with his day, making sure everything's okay. But I admired that about him. And so it was taking all those little pieces and fragments of the things that I loved about my parents and the way that they raised us and trying to make sure that I included that in who I was becoming as an adult and then how I raised my own children. But yeah, just being aware, you know, we didn't have the ability to just run to the store every single day. So even food storage, having that on hand, being very conscientious about what foods we could grow and what foods um, we needed to stock and, and being in a place where we were very susceptible to hurricanes and natural disasters, going through that and knowing that our sustainability was only as viable as a fragile supply chain, which could break at any second and did break, you know, during the, during the hurricanes, all of those things really just opened my eyes wider to being prepared is the opposite of being scared. And a lot of people looked at them the same way and that I could still be the mom, the very modern very relatable mother that I was in many regards, but I could also be that prepared um, individual and could teach others to do the same. Mm, I love that. Being prepared is the opposite of being scared. You know, when you talk about how you do work in self-reliance and preparedness, I feel like in your perspective, what you share is so multifaceted. So what does being self-reliant and being prepared, what does that even mean? Well, it, it means that you've detached yourself from the umbilical cord of needing constantly needing other people to sustain you and offsetting or displacing all of the things that you're capable of. So whether that's your personal security, you know, regardless of how you feel about carrying a firearm or not, you have to be able to run your own personal security and you and you have to have not just the tools even, but the skill sets in order to do that. You have to know how to pay attention to your surroundings because we can't constantly wait for other people to save us or to figure things out for us, you know? Um, mm. And so it, it, that, that belief that why, like why, if these things are so critical and so important to us, are we constantly waiting for someone else to do them for us is, is the belief that fuels self-reliance. Americans weren't ever built to live that way. I mean, look at the way America was founded. Look at the grit and resilience that was required for people to even go west during the Homestead Act. 
no one was going to do something for you. Of course, you would form communities. And of course, you wanted to be able to lean on your brothers and sisters in those regards. But that couldn't be your only option. You had you had to have multiple plans for all of the things that were most important, your security, your food, your communication, and your mm-hmm. your family and your community needs that from you as an individual, but you also need that for yourself because whether you recognize it or not, there is that spirit in you that cannot be completely dampened that yearns for that self-reliance. And when you don't have mm-hmm. it, when you do or when you are not equipped to do the things that you were built to do and you're capable of doing, you will feel the void and the lack of that. And it will give way to things like anxiety and more of a fear-based living and um, like a scarcity mentality. Yeah. I remember you talking um, in your keynote at Fancy Lady Cowgirl. You were talking about how some women, you know, are intimidated by the idea of being prepared with self-defense or as you mentioned, firearm, which I know is is just one tool. For those that feel intimidated or maybe have that idea of, well, I don't need to know how to defend myself because I have a husband or a partner to do that. Tell me a little bit about what, I know you already shared about this a little bit, but um, what do you tell women who feel that way? Like they don't need to know because somebody else knows that for them. Yeah. I just think it's such a foolish way of living your life, you know, to always assume that someone else is going to be there to be your knight in shining armor. If that, if you have somebody who will save you, who will come and save the day, that's amazing. But that's what we call lanyap here in the South. It's a luxury. It's a little something extra. You have to be capable of doing things on your, and you are capable, but you have to believe and you have to know, and you have to prepare those skill sets. And to some people, it looks so contrasting to the way they were raised. And they've probably had really bad experiences with it if they have like a negative perception about what this person looks like. But that person should look like you. It should be you. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to fit any certain ideology or look that you have about a person. We as individuals should be that person. And so, yeah, women, women especially are such an important part of the society. We have a lot of the responsibility of, of raising children and spending the most amount of time around young children. It's just a fact. You know, if you look, mm-hmm. look at the statistics, women normally are spending the most amount of time with young children. And so to live your life, always filling that subliminal amount of fear and insecurity, we've all felt it, you know, even if we are prepared, even if we do have the weapons or the tools or the skill sets. You have felt that insecurity in a dark parking lot at night or in a store when you hear a loud noise and you've thought to yourself, what what would I do? You know, am I even prepared? Do I would I know know how to navigate out of here with my children or with myself or with my spouse? And so yeah, just constantly offsetting your security is is so foolish. Yeah. We don't like it. It's it's like we're trying to outsource our safety a little bit. And I'm, I'm sure I've been guilty of that myself. Hey there. Have you ever thought about having your very own business or services talked about right here on the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast? Well, it is your lucky day, my friends. I am officially opening up opportunities to be a sponsor to have your very own 30 or 60 second ad right here within the show. 
to learn more about how you can partner with me as a podcast sponsor, or maybe even through Instagram, Facebook, or email marketing, visit coachkaya.com forward slash partner to learn more. I would love to work with you. I want to have you share a little bit more about fear and how people respond to fear. I know you said earlier that being prepared is opposite of being scared. And I just feel like fear, it can be such a driver in our lives, real or perceived. Can you talk to us about about fear? Is fear a bad thing? Is fear a good thing? How do we navigate fear and how do we be prepared at the moments when we are fearful? I love referencing, and we did this a lot when I was speaking, the Gavin DeBecker book, The Gift of Fear. And I, I think I primarily love that he calls it a gift. And he does because mm-hmm. it's innate. It was it was knit in us when we were created is to have fear. But real fear is only present whenever a true threat exists. And so what we do a lot, what we have done our whole life is storytell and fabricate. And that's not true fear. That's anxiety. Now, we can look at the world that we live in and say that the threats are real. And so the fear is real. And that may be true, partly true, but to constantly live in that state of fight or flight, where your F3 response, your fight, flight, or freeze response is always engaged. That's what we call that that sympathetic part of our nervous system is constantly engaged, eliminates your ability to distinguish what a real threat is from your creation of a threat. And what that does is it limits your ability to see it in the first place or to notice that deviation from normal patterns around you. And so the gift of real fear means that we have the permission to live our life in a state of just being consciously aware of your surroundings, being very vigilant, but being relaxed and not fabricating those anxieties and those fears. So to be truly prepared means that you're not fearful the way that you may be without that conscious effort because you have to clear out that space in your mind and in your body for that true fear to show up and to bring with it the messengers that let you know that real fear is present. And so living in that heightened state of anxiety desensitizes you from the ability to distinguish if it's really there or not. And I think that that is good news. Like that's a really good thing to hear, right? Is Mm -hmm. to be prepared and to be vigilant means that you have to give yourself permission to chill out, to let a lot of other things go. Mm. It's not that paranoid mind that a lot of people envision. It's, it's the opposite of that. It's aware and present and being very intentional with yourself in the moment, but permission to chill. Permission to chill. Yeah, I would say most people would not assume that that's part of the process of being more self-reliant or less fearful. I feel like most people would think I need to be hyper like vigilant and like running on high like alert, but like allowing yourself to see what true fear is showing you the real threats is actually by chilling out. So how do we chill out? How do we chill out, Amber? If people if, if let's say that someone's <laughs> listening and they're like, "Okay, I maybe don't feel maybe they don't feel like they are self-reliant or have the tools if there was a real threat, and they also are operating from a place of high anxiety. How do they start that process? You chill out by preparing, (laughs) right? It always goes back to that. Preparation is key, always. Like My children have said that since they were 
old enough to say words. Preparation is key. It's like the first thing oh I taught gosh, them. So cute. <laughs> the next thing they said was eyes up buttercup. But yeah, that was, it, it really is so true. And what I always tell people when they come to the table with raw anxiety, you know, we, so one of my first initial things that I did with Fieldcraft was create and stand up a women's self-defense course. And it was practical application of self-defense for women created by a woman for women. So it wasn't a men's tactical course with a woman's label slapped on it. Everything was built with the woman in mind, with the nature of her fears, the way the female mind works. And I loved that it was very relatable and approachable for women who felt very threatened in the tactical space. And so threatened by the aggressiveness of a men's course, if that makes sense. And, And the pretension that can come with that sometimes or the fear of pretension, whether that would actually exist or not. So I would say, because their head is a mess, right? They're like, I, I can't even begin to imagine how I can get to this place you're trying to describe to me. Well, that's fine. That's great. But <laughs> we got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it was always, my advice is always that you have to start by having a conversation with yourself and being honest with yourself. You have to sit down and you have to I'm all about getting it all out, down, on paper, on a computer, whatever you need to do. You need to start writing the details of your life. Just start. What does your life look like? What does your day-to-day activity look like? What, where are you scared? What do you fear in the midst of that? And fears may come along the way that you didn't realize were there, but you'll start to notice that that fear is there to tell you something. And so Mm. you take a minute, you pause, you let the fear tell you what it needs to tell you. And what it's going to tell you is that you're lacking somewhere in your preparedness. Maybe your lifestyle has changed. Maybe your season of life has changed. Maybe the details of your day have changed and there's a void somewhere. There's a vulnerability that's shown up. We are such primitive creatures and I have a bachelor's degree in nursing. So of course I took all of the biological sciences that really helped me to fully understand where to even begin learning about the mind and the depth in which I wanted to learn about it and behavior and psychology of the human. But we're very primitive and nothing happens just for no significant reason, right? We're not going to have a deep feeling or a deep-seated fear about something for no reason. Our brain is the most powerful tool on this planet. And so when the brain is telling us something, we have to tune in and we have to listen. The raw anxiety and the overwhelm comes when we let those feelings come through, but we do nothing with them. We shame ourselves Mm -hmm. for feeling them. Mm -hmm. We ignore them. Or we like really lean in and storytell with that fear and chalk it up to be something way bigger than it needs to be. Mm -hmm. When its whole purpose Mm -hmm. in the first place was just to show us, to shed light on something that we need to be more vigilant about. And so you have to start by just having that conversation with yourself, paying attention to what your fears are, and then addressing them. You know, are you scared of bleeding out? You're a, you're a bike rider. You love jogging through a park. You do some type of physical sport where you are fearful that you will get injured. I don't know. You don't even have to do a sport. You could just be a person that's fearful of bleeding out because you drive your car on a regular basis and the threat of a vehicle, a motor vehicle (laughs) accident is real. Like whatever the fear is. Okay. Well, what have you done about it? What would you Mm -hmm. do in the event of a catastrophic bleed? 
Do you know how to occlude an artery? Do you have a tourniquet with you in order to do that? Are you, are you fearful of an active shooting scenario? You know, a lot of people Mm. became very fearful of that, especially when societal unrest was at its peak during COVID. We were in the midst of an election. It was just a very polarizing time, right? I mean, we still are in very polarizing times, but people, people really felt the threat of, of unrest in society much more than they had in years prior. And so people really started to think about that and fear that I'm scared to leave my house because what would I do if there was an active shooting scenario where I was at, at a mall, at a target, in a school, whatever. Well, what have you done to prepare for that? Do you know what your personal reaction is to fear? Do you freeze? Do you flee? Do you fight? What would you do in that scenario? Are you paying attention when you walk into a building about where the exits are? Do you know the difference between getting behind something that could be potential cover for you or something that's not great cover, something that you know a bullet could go straight through? And these can be really scary thoughts for people. And it sounds very underwhelming and it sounds so cliche when I say it out loud to you, but it is underwhelming. The process of getting yourself to a point where you can alleviate your fears is underwhelming. It's not sexy. It's not flashy. Mm -hmm. It's not Mm -hmm. tactical. And I've told people so many times, I wish I had a fancier answer for you, but I don't. It's not fancy. It's you and your mind sitting down to figure out what makes you tick and what makes you scared and what your life looks like and then working back from those fears. How do we alleviate that? Let's get you the products that you need the simple products, the $30 product you need to stop a bleed. And let's show you a 10 minute video you can watch on YouTube. Problem solved with that. Let's move on to the next fear, you know? And so when you start alleviating these fears, you get them out of your brain to where they're not taking up that space anymore. And you start to exhale. And that's how you learn how to chill. Mm, So good. You know, what I love so much about this, and as you're talking us through it, is that this all really starts with, I feel like it's all perspective and it's all mental at first, because I think the first hurdle is being comfortable to sit with yourself and get real about what your fears are. I remember you asking us when we sat down during your keynote about under, like, what is your fear response? And I was like, huh, I've actually never, I'd never really thought about it. You know, I hadn't really like brought a bunch of intentionality towards my fear response. And you had even brought like um, an air horn to test out our fear response. (laughs) And you tricked us all by like, you know, making this really loud noise. And I found out I'm a freezer. I'm a freezer. That's my, uh, my, my response. But I feel like that perspective of almost befriending your fear, like you said, that book, the gift of fear is, is in recognizing that fear is actually a good thing, but understanding what it is so we can be more prepared. And the fact that it's, gosh, isn't everything impactful in life. It's it's always usually the simplest things, but we just avoid them. Do you think it's people not wanting to lean into understanding their fear that stops them from the basic things that would help alleviate it? Or what do you think gets in people's way of becoming self-reliant and prepared? Yeah. Well, I think too, I think the, the pace of our life today, it just doesn't lend itself to much self-reflection. And I think people are really mm-hmm. trying to do a better job of that. But People want you to be able to Amazon link them a solution. And so So when you can't buy now, like you can't buy now the solution to this, you can read all the books and you can buy all of the tools. And, you know, obviously I work for a preparedness company. And so we are constantly creating new product and 
bringing in new products that specifically make your preparedness life more thorough. Um, but we also, we put out more content than products, you know? I mean, we have mm. way more, way more existing in our YouTube video manifest than we do our product page manifest because there's only so many things you can buy to fix the problem before you realize that it has to start with you in the first place, you know? Mm. And I think, I think people want a flashier solution. It can't be this simple. It can't be as simple as starting with having a conversation with yourself, but really most things that are worth their weight do begin by you having a conversation with yourself and begin with the evaluation. Wouldn't that make it all the more better? You know, if you put yourself into a solution process as somebody who is mentally ready and engaged to do so rather than just abruptly beginning something that you're not going to actually finish in a thorough manner. You know, it's with anything. It, it just takes time and it takes consistency and it takes honesty. And a lot of people maybe truly don't even know how to be honest with themselves in many regards. Mm. And I think that's where they push up against it. But that in and of itself is the definition of resilience. You know, people think they have to put themselves into an ice bath or run a marathon in order to be more resilient and build resilience. But no, it's just the simple act of pushing up against something that's a little abrasive and pushes back and pushing past it, continuing to push past it, but still being able to be you and to be settled and grounded in who you are in the process. That's what resilience is. And you can build resilience by sitting by yourself in a room and being willing to examine and navigate your mind, you know, at, that's where some of the grittiest forms of resilience come from. So I think it's just fear of what's in there, fear of what's mm. going to actually be in the mind whenever you sit down to start doing that. And a lot of people haven't really trained themselves to do that and they weren't raised that way. And so when they start butting up against those fears, it, they don't like the way it makes them feel. Yeah. You know, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about an active shooter around my children. I don't want to think about teaching my children a code word or the proper names of body parts so that they could assert themselves if they needed or speak to me about something if they needed. I'd rather just imagine and pretend that this isn't ever going to happen to me mm. or my family. And so I think a lot of it comes from that, the unwillingness to be not only honest with yourself, but vulnerable enough with yourself to admit that we are all very resilient, but very fragile. Mm, gosh, that is so good. And I think you're exactly right. I think, and I think that it relates to so many other areas of our life too, but our unwillingness to sit with ourselves and be quiet and be honest, I think holds us back in so many areas of our life, like so stinking many. And we live in such a distracted world. It's easy to avoid being still and being silent and being reflective. Do you have a side hustle or a business that you're ready to take to the next level? In my opinion, one of the most valuable assets as a business of any size, whether you're just starting out or have been hammering on for years, is a website. Whether it's a simple landing page with just the basics or a full-fledged site with a blog and store, having a place where people can search and discover you online makes your business immediately look more credible. If it's the fear of having to fork over thousands of dollars to a professional to build one for you that's holding you back, I have a little secret for you. You can build your own website today without any knowledge of coding or fancy schmancy tech skills using Squarespace. Trust me, if I can do it, so can you. 
Not only did I build my own Coach Kaya website, but I also built my family's Twistleman Ranch website, the Backroad Cowgirls Digital Series website, and countless more using Squarespace's simple, easy-to-use templates that made it a breeze to get a website launched and ready to welcome new customers. Time to take that business of yours to new levels. Click the link in the show notes to start your free trial with Squarespace today. You know, earlier you were talking about how one of the first things your kids said was that preparedness is key, but you said another phrase, and that was eyes up buttercup. I'd love for you to tell me more about this phrase that you've coined, what it means, where it came from, and also how you're using it, not just to help your kids, but other people as well. Yeah. So I'm, I still live in Louisiana, so I'm very Southern. So of course we, the way that we come across in our hospitality and genuineness with people is very important. And so with my children to teach them situational awareness when they were younger, instead of saying like, pay attention or look up, we're in a, we're in a parking lot, especially once I had three children. And at the time I had three under the age of five, I I didn't want to be the mom that was just like abrupt. And I felt like that wasn't actually teaching them through intention and helping them recognize why I was teaching them to do something. And that's why I gleaned so much information growing up is because my parents were so patient with me that they always explained the why. So I wasn't ever just doing something to replicate what they were doing, but I didn't know why it fit into my life so that I could template it into other areas or other seasons of my life. And so I would say eyes up And that was my call to action for them, for them to pay attention. But then the buttercup was just like the term of endearment, you know, like, Mm -hmm. because I love you, because you means you mean so much to me and I want you to be paying attention. And so I used it, I, I could use it in every scenario. You know, if we get to a park before on the way to the park, you know, hey guys, we're going to a park, you know, that there's going to be a lot of people there. And so it's very important that while you're playing, you're what? And they'll all be in the back and they'll say, eyes up, buttercup, paying attention. <laughs> you know, if somebody looks tricky, looks like they're maybe not supposed to be at the park, you know, maybe, and, and I've taught them the, what tricky means, you know, maybe tricky is an adult that's asking children for directions or asking mm-hmm. children a question. Adults that don't know children shouldn't be asking them questions. Are they dressed appropriately for the weather? All of these things that I've taught them through very lighthearted and very non-fear-based conversation, walking them through the store when they're little, like, oh, it's pretty chilly outside. Do you notice how everybody's wearing jackets? Oh, do you like her jacket? Wasn't that a pretty jacket the lady was wearing that was checking us out? Just teaching them to be human beings. And it's, I, I, I always wanted to teach them not only to be situationally aware, but to be very mindful of other people. And so while I'm teaching them to pay attention rather than like, zoning out over Pokemon cards at the cash register and things that don't matter. They're paying attention to the people in front of them. And I'd say, oh, do you see her name is Becky? Look at her name tag. Look, that's a B. We learned a B today. And so just engaging them in that so that now when I have a 10-year-old and an eight-year-old, you know, they may make a comment like, that lady looked a little agitated today, mom. Do you think something happened this morning? Yeah, maybe something did happen to her this morning. You know, maybe she needed us to be kind and understanding that she wasn't having a great day or why do you think she was wearing a jacket? It's really hot outside. I don't know why she'd be wearing a jacket. Maybe she's covering something on her arms or maybe she's just cold nature. But having them start to pick up on those things gives them the capacity and the bandwidth to fully engage in play and be children, but still Mm -hmm. notice when somebody has entered their zone, their perimeter, 
who maybe shouldn't be there or who maybe is cause for concern. And so then they can navigate away, come to me. And instead of thinking as a child would think, this is an unsubstantiated thought. I shouldn't be fearful of people. No, I've taught my children that their gut instincts are there for a reason. They're there to protect them and that I will never think anything is silly that they have to tell me that is a concern, especially when their gut tells them to. So they know they have full permission to come to mom. Hey mom, they can even use their code word to me. And that means I'm not feeling very safe. Maybe there's Mm -hmm. something around me that's making me not feel safe, but they don't have to explain that to me or say it to me because we've created these code words. And so all of this communication has been built and established through their childhood, but gives them so much confidence as children to go out and play and be in the world. And I, and all of that stemmed from the reminder on the way to the park, eyes up buttercup, you know, mm-hmm. because we built so much meaning into those simple words. And no matter what it is, whether we're crossing a street or whether they're you know, going to play with friends at a church activity, you know, hey guys, other people might not be being so nice. Other people might be choosing to say mean things and do mean things, but I expect all of you to be eyes up buttercup. And that means just pay attention, pay attention to the words coming out of your mouth, pay attention to the people around you and Mm -hmm. just be a decent human being and do things with purpose, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, so many meanings tied into that, but yeah, it has become the tagline of my company and it's, I feel like it's a war cry for all of us. It's a call to action. Eyes up, pay attention. What is happening around you? What's happening in the world around you? What's happening physically around you? What's happening digitally around you? Where is your angst and anxiety coming from? Where is your head today? What are you paying attention to? What decisions are you making flippantly? What decisions are you making mindfully? It all ties into that. Eyes up, buttercup. I love that. And I think it just all comes back to awareness. And like I mentioned earlier, I feel like it sometimes becomes harder and harder because we live in such a noisy, distracted world. And I know how guilty I am of this. Like, has anybody, this hasn't happened to me in a while, but I've seen other people do it too, where they'll be walking down the street and they'll be so focused on their phone texting that they will run into another person or maybe even like a poll or something. And I know there has been times where I have been so distracted by just looking down, whether that's walking, whether that's sitting in the back of an Uber vehicle. I'm so glued, this little device. I don't I don't know if the Uber driver is driving the right direction. I don't know if someone's walking alongside me or behind me because I'm so distracted, especially by technology that I don't know, maybe we should, I, f- I feel like I should be, this is a mantra that I need to really embrace more in my life. <laughs> Put it as a screensaver, eyes up, buttercup. That's a great idea, actually. <laughs> That's such a great idea. It's, I mean, being being aware, being a conscious person is a discipline. Like if it was easy, everybody mm. would do it, right? It's easy so to get distracted. The world is built to distract us. I mean, I work right. in marketing for Fieldcraft. Like it's all built as distractions. Like we know that. We're trying to market to people. Like we're trying to glue your eyes to us and what we have to sell and and we're trying to get those dopamine hits faster and quicker and higher and bigger and better. You know, like who wants a static post when I can watch a 10 second reel that will thrill me, you know, like that's the age we live in. I get it. But we constantly walk around thinking that X, Y, Z will never happen to us. Mm, Everything that happens in the world is completely unsubstantiated and could never be in our physical proximity or BS. 
and, and people's argument will be the chances of that happening are so slim. I'm going to live my life. Why would I not live my life? And why would I focus on that instead? And that is just another form of denial. You know, like mm. what is being prepared hurting in you? No one should live a life of preparedness and also be paranoid. You're supposed to be the opposite. They've labeled it as such a way and created this whole look around it, but it's not. It's the opposite. I can't tell you how many times I have, by being prepared and being the one that people laugh at, which I don't care, um, have been the one who had what people needed when push mm -hmm. came to shove. Yeah. So many times, every single week, albeit I would say nearly every day, I get message, at least one message from a person who says, I thought this would never happen to me. I, mm. I thought my cell phone would never completely die and I would have no alternate form of communication. I would not have to use my emergent medical skills to save my child from choking or have the supplies I needed to give my husband a tourniquet when he cut his leg with the chainsaw trying to put together the kids Christmas swing set, like mm -hmm. just basic knowledge, having basic tools and having the basic skill sets. It's not hurting you to have them, but it's making yeah. you a more prepared individual and a more responsible citizen of the world around you to help others. And yeah. so like what is knowing how to start a fire going to aid you in this life? Or is it going to take away from you in this life? Like what's the harm in knowing how to start a fire. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't make you somebody that's a bushcraft expert or somebody who spends <laughs> all their times in the, in the woods. Like you don't have to be John the Baptist eating locusts and dreadlocking <laughs> your hair. You can know how to start a fire. You know what I mean? Like people yeah, yeah, immediately yeah. go to these stereotypes and it's sad to me because I always get people oftentimes get people on the other side where their perspective and their vision has changed so abruptly because life forced it to, and they don't want to mm. have this new perspective, but they say, I wish I would have listened. I yeah. wish I would have been prepared. And I hate that. You know, I don't yeah. want people to feel like they've been forced into this decision, but I know that sometimes that's the only way we can get this perspective too. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things is that, and you know, you sharing how it doesn't become a priority until someone's maybe had a really bad experience that shocked them into realizing they need to be more prepared. But I think just for so many people, it's just not a priority. You know, we have so many things in our life. And so they're like, oh, me learning how to start a fire didn't make it onto my calendar this week or, mm -hmm. you know, didn't occur to me that I should learn how to, to, to use a tourniquet. But maybe, you know, maybe those people who are listening to this are like, you know, she's got a point. You never know. But what are some realistic ways that the average person could start becoming more prepared or making it more of a priority in their life or their routine? Yeah. And, and that's such a great question because once you start diving into it, and I think this is where the, the overwhelmed mind says no, right? And so there's, there's really no way to look at preparedness once you start opening your eyes to it and not feel overwhelmed. But then you say mm. no, because you're like, there's my vehicle, there's my medical skills, there's my tactical skills, the lighting around my home, my mindset. Like this is the food storage I have. This is way too much for me to tackle <laughs> at once. And I get it. Like you don't want to know how to jumpstart your car 
and seal beans in a Mylar bag and apply a tourniquet all in the same day. Like that's a lot. And so you just have to start. And so that's what we do as a company. That's what we do at Fieldcraft is micro content to help inspire people. But if you don't have a scaffolding, you don't know where to plug that content in. You just like, you get the content and it's inspiring and you hold it for a second and then you're not really sure what to do with it. And you're like, this looks great. I'd love for my family or myself to learn how to do this one day, but we're just really busy. And so then you kind of like plug that in the back of your mind that takes up space and then you get more inspiring content and you keep doing that until you get to the point where you're like, we'll never be enough. This is ridiculous. Anybody who lives their life this way is insane. Well, because you weren't meant to digest information that way. Like there's a buffet of education here, but you don't get to eat at all. You have to pick and choose in small amounts and figure out how the best way to do that is for you and your family. Because somebody may need to be very diligent about personal security. That may be the priority for that family. And they really need to lean into that and everything else will come later. But for another family, maybe a family who lives in a natural disaster prone area, whether that be earthquakes or hurricanes or somebody who lives up in the mountains and they're worried about fires, whatever that may be, maybe they need to be more focused on preparing go backs for their family and having emergency communic- backup communication and rendezvous points planned out to know where to meet each other in case they can't call each other because infrastructures crash. Like these are real things that happen. And so maybe that's a priority for that family. And so that's why I say, the, what's the starting point? It's it's sitting down and figuring out where to where you need to begin as an individual and then start plugging yourself into the content pieces that we have, whether that be through YouTube or Instagram. And then our new course that we've just launched, it's called Program 62. And it was built exactly for this is the start point is for people to come in and over the course of 12 weeks, get fed bite-sized pieces of educational content around 12 different topics, like fully encompassing what I just spoke to you about personal security, mindset, home security, fire safety in the home, food storage, medical, and get a block of instruction by a subject matter expert, walk away with homework, which includes plugging that into their life. Here is a PDF, walk your family through this, create your code word, write down your blood types, create a person, a plan for your home, for your personal security. If somebody were to break in in the middle of the night, we'll tell you exactly how to do it, but you need to go physically walk through your home and figure out where's your safe zone. What weapons would you use? Who's going to operate those weapons? Who's in charge of taking children from one room to another? All of the actual application of all of this inspiring content, forcing you and holding you accountable to do it, and educating you and then giving you the supplies along the way to make that happen. So this has been really exciting for us to launch this. We call it Program 62 because it's supposed to symbolize the Homestead Act of 1862. And so it just kind of grounds us back in that self-reliant mindset that we originally had in this country. And so that's where the 62 comes from. And just really building a fully functional lifestyle of self-reliance for individuals. And so it's a paid course, but I'm hoping that through this, walking people through this 12-week program, we can pull out like more moderate and different versions to where people can kind of like dip their feet in the water with it, right? Mm, Um, And so we've done done all of these topics in a much more comprehensive way. Like we've held 
personal security classes. We've held emergency medical classes, but this will be the first time that we walk people through every single one, the same group of people for 12 weeks. And so I'm really excited to like pull that information from what we learn through educating these people in this way and then be able to just be able to have like a start here page. Yeah. Just somebody to plug themselves into straight off the internet, you know? Oh, that is so cool. And even just hearing you go through like the outline of it, I'm like, oh my gosh, there are so many of these things I do not know. I'm like, I don't even know my blood top off the top of my head. Um, I, I think it's so cool that you all have put together this resource because like you said before, it could be so overwhelming, but I just think what a great format to have someone guide you through it. And also not just guide you through it. Cause I do like field craft survival and your page, you share so many great resources. Like you said, where I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Save for later. Um, but right. to be able to really go through it with that external accountability, so that the application is really used, I just think is so brilliant. And this is, it's going to help so many people. I think so. I call it blueprinting, uh, Mm. blueprinting your self-reliance because right, it's so unique and bespoke to each of us. Mm -hmm. And so while I can't tell somebody exactly how to blueprint their own life, I can show them how and have them do it. And that's kind of the point of being self-reliant, you know? Yeah. In your keynote, you had shared this quote that I wrote down in my little notebook that I found today. (laughs) And it was from Elizabeth Cady Stanton. And she said, the best protection any woman can have is her courage. I would love for you to expand on that and what that means to you and maybe what you might say to help us foster more courage within ourselves. Yeah, I think a big part of having courage is being aware of your affinities as a person. And that includes your strengths. And that also includes your weaknesses and your vulnerabilities. And so a lot of people are not leading their own life. They're allowing themselves to be led. And there's so much to be gleaned from not only the depth of your courage, but the width of it. And who all gets caught in the wake of that? You know, whether you have children or not, you are so influential over so many more people than you realize. And there's there's so many different avenues to this lifestyle of self-reliance and this journey of growing yourself into a more prepared, a stronger, a more resilient person, whatever you want to describe it as. But it takes you being the leader and it takes you having courage in order to do that because it's it's not going to go the way you planned and people aren't going to view you the way that you want them to view you, you know, and in many regards. Um, and hopefully you inspire people to action and hopefully you inspire change, but it doesn't always work out that way. And so you get to to be the person that makes the choices in your life that gear you and steer you towards whatever that end goal is that you have in mind, whether that's being more prepared, whether that's being less fearful, more capable. And all of that takes courage. And so I think that's one of the most important parts of the self-reliant journey is knowing yourself and giving yourself permission to be courageous, right? I mean, we all love the quote by Eleanor Roosevelt that says, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. And I've always kind of spun that on its head for my kids. And I'll tell them that no one can make them feel fear without their consent either. Mm. And, And that all begins with, having the courage to say, no, this is who I am. This is the space I take up in the world. I am allowed to take up this space. I'm allowed to be here and be all the parts of me in this, in this moment, in this season right now in this life. And so if that, if that version of you includes being somebody who is more mindful about being 
prepared, just have the courage to do that Mm. and, and give yourself the permission to do that. So beautiful. So beautiful. I love that. This podcast, Amber, is called Climbing because I like to think about life as a series of mountain ranges with lots of highs and lots of lows, lots of peaks and lots of valleys. And I like to ask all my guests, what is a current mountain that you are climbing in your life or your career? Yeah, I I am working on getting out of my head. I'm like I told mm. you, I'm a very reflective, very empathetic, very deep thinker. Um, mm-hmm. And so as with, I think all of us can say we're all of our own worst enemies, right? Yeah. But being somebody who does, we all have so much on their plates, right? But being somebody who is very mindful about where her time is spent, who's also homeschooling three children, running a brand, creating content for another company and taking care of a small homestead. You know, you get to the point where you just constantly question your worth and your capabilities. And those little voices tell you, like, you can only keep this up for so long. Like, who are you to think that you're capable of this? And so I fight that constantly, constantly, um, and sometimes worse than others. And so my own mind is my, is my mountain, Mm. my valley. Ditto. Gosh, being a human is so complicated sometimes, I swear. (laughs) It is complex. Yes. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Amber, if people are interested in getting to know you more or connecting with you and the wisdom that you share, or maybe want to explore field craft survival and some of the resources you're helping create over there, where can they find you and all the details on more self-reliance and preparedness? Of course, they can find me at Instagram is where most of my social activity takes place. So ms, miss dot amber, A-M-B-E-R dot E-L-L-E. And then I also have my website. That's www.amber-ell.com. And then you can find all of my Fieldcraft Survival content over on Fieldcraft channels. So you can find us at Fieldcraft Survival on Instagram can find us at fieldcraftsurvival.com. And then you can also find us on the YouTube. Amazing. Amber, thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing your wisdom and your insights and also your encouragement. Um, I've, I have a feeling that all of us have some growth to do in this area. I know I, I'm speaking for myself. I know that I sure do. And <laughs> you got me thinking so much at Courtney's event and again here today. And I just appreciate what you're doing to empower women in this field. And I'm just continuously inspired by the work that you do. Of course. You we need to get the back road cowgirls to come <gasps> come to me. And I'll oh my teach gosh. You all of oh me. my gosh. We're manifesting this. Wait, that would be so much fun. Okay, y'all. You're you're hearing it here. We're manifesting that we're gonna do a back road cowgirls trip. We're coming to Louisiana and oh, I can just see it now. I'm sold. You can't take that invitation back. You know, it's never coming. I'll make you cinnamon rolls or biscuits. Okay. I'm really coming. We're really coming. I'm going to call Courtney immediately after this. I'm like, we're going to go learn survival preparedness and eat cinnamon rolls with Amber. She'll she'll be so excited. (laughs) It's going to be great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much listeners for tuning into another episode of the climbing with coach Kaya podcast. You can find all the details on how to connect with Amber down in the show notes. And I'll see you right back here. Same time, same place next week. 
Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please hit subscribe and leave me a review sharing what you loved most. Come hang out with me on Instagram and Facebook to keep the conversation going as we continue to find joy in the journey. Until next time, I am cheering for you, friend. Keep climbing and we'll chat soon.